were crazy. So let's skip over that. So let's go, unless anyone's got anything to add, let's go straight to listener questions. And Ben, I'm, we're going to lean heavily on you for listener questions, buddy, okay? Just to prepare Absolutely. yourself. So <laughs> pod, pod all-star Peter Swift has asked, so uh, although Chris and Clem are not big tournament enthusiasts, that's not quite true, Ben. We love tournaments. We're just rubbish at the game. What tips do the group have for tournaments in general? Any must-have gadgets to speed up play, tips for organising your play space, etc. Ah, so I've got some thoughts on this. Um, so I think... Me too, buddy. Me too. Yeah. So we'll, tr we'll try and be as sort of uh, succinct as we can, um, bearing in mind the time. So I think a good tip is bring water, bring bananas, healthy snacks. You know, it's a long day. Um, bring... What I like to do, I think you've absolutely nailed it with measuring sticks. So when you're playing Kings of War on, and you're on the clock, bear in mind i'm bad at the game what i like to do is bring measuring sticks so that when i'm moving my models before i move anything i can put down some measuring sticks from measuring from my opponent's models so i can see okay i'm out if i move my model here i'm out of charge range i'm pretty confident that's right um and that just means you can visually see it and then you can move um things like having whatever the numbers are 10 black dice 12 white dice whatever you know if you look on your you know when you print out your army list if you see oftentimes you're going to be rolling 18 dice okay have 18 red dice and at the beginning of the game show your opponent look i've got 18 red dice here i've got 10 white dice whatever you need uh, don't overcomplicate over it but just do a couple of the the important ones and it's just little tricks like that so you're not having yeah. to count dice every turn over the course oh, of a tournament you need to count them one way or another but uh you need to help yourself because if you have just random dice in a pouch it will take you forever even with a more elite army you end up rolling a lot of dice in kings of war so what i personally do is i have 10 dice of one color so orange i have 10 dice of another color that's black and I have 36 dice, so, you know, the small cubes of purple dice. Like, And it's transparent, bright purple. So completely different colors. You cannot uh, um, mix Confuse them Confuse them. Exactly. Confuse them. And I have a fourth color. That's a small red dice for wound counters. And same, it's a completely different colors. You cannot confuse them. And so the advice is, from two sets of 10 dice, you can do any numbers very easily. Do you need 14 dice? You grab all of the black dice plus four orange dice. Done. You need 18 dice, grab both colors minus two of one color, and so on and so forth. And it's very easy to always check. Yes, I have still 10 black dice here, and I have 10 orange dice right here. So I know my numbers to do very efficient and very quick math. And so for the dice, things, it's very important, I think. There's two things we're making, we're improving, right? One is time, and the other one is a tournament is mentally exhausting right so if we can just reduce the load of the admin stuff that we have to do you can spend more of your brain energy thinking about actual game tactics and it's it just it really little tricks like that really really make a big difference guys can we think of any other tournament tips of course yeah gonna... oh sorry go ahead go ahead ben go for it ben I... I was going to say, if you can, it doesn't have to be a one-to-one -one ratio or anything like that. Something that I found that has been extremely um, helpful to me, um, and this is a pre-thing, is a way of getting in like 
light reps or whatever you want to call it is set up like your dining room table or something along those lines and set out cardboard cutouts of your army so that you can get an idea of the actual physical space play a game like literally play a game against yourself because not only does that allow you to organize your thoughts and it is a mental exercise because you're running two armies but not only does it allow you to see what your army will work like on autopilot with you just running through a thought that you've had, but it allows you to play from the other side, which sometimes you don't notice weaknesses about your other, about your own army until you're playing against it. And you're like, oh, I can take advantage of that. Or, or if you know that there is a weakness that people exploit, you can say, okay, let's set it up and play through that scenario. How can I counter that kind of thing? What's a good counter strategy or something along those lines? But just playing a game, even if you don't have an in-depth plan about how to play that game, just playing a game against yourself, it's like doing light reps at the gym kind of thing. It's still going to have a benefit for you. You're still going to have that opportunity, and it's sometimes easier than having to schedule a game with your with your buddies down the road at the game store or something like that, and it's a lot less uh, time-consuming in that regard too. That's think, a great point, Ben. Even just the idea of knowing how, you, having a rough idea how you're going to deploy your army is helps massively. Sorry, Clem. It's no, no. It's absolutely um, like the first GT that I went to was the 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 GT in Köln with you, Chris, and I understood how some of my army, like the armies that I brought, worked game three, because being confronted with different, like completely new players, different armies, um, and like having to deploy to react to different things, I tried out different strategies and something clicked. And I think by training, like experimenting, I think is a better word, how you deploy your army, like set up a table and deploy it. And then don't even, I don't think you even have to play the game. Just now think, okay, what's going to happen from this point on? Uh, And you can redeploy your army three times for like different scenarios um, or hey what do I what do I do if I face a different defense six army like what's my angle here or all flyer army what do I do and so this type of thing I think is important I wanted to take a step back first uh, maybe on tournaments uh, Peter um, because uh, like obviously you're just getting started with Kings of War and uh, we convinced you somehow to joined for Clash of Kings, and we're super happy about it. And I think it's quite a stressful thing, right? Like, uh, I remember when myself, I was also going to a big tournament, I was like, oh my god, that's a big tournament. Like, uh, I've never been to one of these, and I suck at the game. How it's going to be? And I think the most important thing is to remember, like, your life doesn't depend on it. You're here to have a good time. And so... Like spoiler alert, you're gonna get crushed in several of those games. That's what's you're gonna, gonna get happen. all your men killed, but you're gonna be just yeah. fine. Yeah, and so remember, like, it's why are you going there? It's to play with different people, play against different armies, and have a good time with other enthusiasts, uh, like Kings of War enthusiasts. And so I think the best preparation is to remember: is it like? I'm going there to be the first person in the ranking. No, I go there to celebrate something that I love with people that also love the same thing. I think that's a very important mindset. Ben? Sorry, Ben, go for it, buddy. No, you're good. Um, I was just going to say, I was going to add on to that. Um, I'm getting ready to go to uh, the U.S. Masters here in uh, in July, um, and I know that I'm going to get my trash kicked at least four games and 
probably all six. But the thing that I found is going, having gone to a lot of tournaments and and all that kind of stuff is exactly like what you're talking about, Clem is what's what's your what's your objective in going is it to is it to kick trash and take names well you might be disappointed on your first tournament um but if you have you can set other objectives like meet three new people or something like that or come up with an idea for you know find the top goblin player if that's your army and talk to them about strategies come up with different at least two different list builds try and you know win attrition in a game or something along those lines focus on something along along that or not run out of time on at least two of my games kind of thing set realistic goals just like anything that you do and that way you have you still have that sense of achievement so you won't feel as discouraged when you end up losing your first couple of games because for the most part when you go to your first tournament yeah you're probably going to lose um a a healthy number of games and that's okay because that's not the emphasis i feel like in tournaments as it is in some other gaming systems where it's a very crunchy system which isn't to say that kings of war is not or any of mantics games is not crunchy in its own right um but in more there aren't the gotcha moments which is what makes this such a pleasant game to play there's still the tactical area without the gotcha moments so building those goals that you have so that you still feel that sense of accomplishment at the end of the day, even if you don't do as well game wise, I think is an important aspect as well. And very quickly, I'll just throw in because of the Swiss pairings. I mean, we went to the UK GT a couple of years ago. I lost my first two games against two players who were just better than me. Um, and then I fell down the pairing and then I was playing against people that had exactly the same outlook as me. They're just here to have fun. Right. So that, that's and sorry, Mark, can I pass over to you, buddy? Oh, that's OK, Chris. Go ahead and finish. I'll pop in after you. So, no, that's pretty much it. It was, you know, this you lose a couple of days games, you fall down the pairing yeah. and then you're paired with an incredibly ni- nice Irish guy called Kevin, who's just drinking a beer and you just yeah. laugh at each other's misfortune. It's great. So, I mean, yeah, the, the Swiss pairing will get you a match with people with a similar skill to yours. But also, I think winning or losing the game isn't the, the reason, right? It's the main motivation. And I think I've lost, I've loved losing games against really good players because they've taught me something. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I didn't know you could do that. That's you a know? good point, Clem. Yeah. Yeah. So take it as also an opportunity to learn from really good players and, you know, sometimes they will even maybe give you suggestions and or give you feedback or you can talk to them afterward, like in the evening or stuff like this. I think that's a really good opportunity. So my tips are, number one, don't be afraid to lose. I came in last place at the inaugural firefight uh, tournament over at uh, Depticon. I got the wooden hand grenade. I have lost multiple times, and that's because I tend to play 500 point games with my son mostly. And uh, when I go to the big tournaments, I'm piloting these giant armies. I know what to do. I'm a, I'm a long time war gamer, but you know, um, you know, other people are it's better. A game. So. It's a game and you're playing for game. fun. What a right. madman you must be. Honestly, I know. playing a game for fun. What? Bonkers. 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to be flying over to Nottingham to play for fun. I have absolutely no illusions that I'm going to come in first. But here's my oh, tip buddy, for it's not, you. It's not why we're going, is it? Let's be honest. That's it's not exactly why we're going. It. That's totally missing the point. It's just yeah. fun, fun times with friends. That is have... absolutely the key. And my top tip is going to be uh, a- after the games are done, if you're around, you know, if you're coming to Clash of Kings, come to Manic Night on uh, Saturday night. You know, we're going to be playing board games and drinking and having a good time. And, you know, even if you're not drinking, that that's fine. But, you know, participate in the stuff that happens after the games. You know, you're there for the community. I'm there for the community. So and just have a great time and to see people that I talk to all the time, you know, in person. And even if you don't know anyone, people are super nice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you see that was something else I was thinking about. If you see a group and they say, hey, who wants to go to dinner? Jump on. Okay, you know, that's how you're going to meet people and stuff like that. And, you know, learn more about the community and things like that. You're going to see one opponent at the table. But, you know, if you get the chance to play board games or you get to hook on to a, uh, you know, everybody running over to a burger place for a burger, you know, the as Chris said, the the community is so friendly, they're going to pull you in and they'll ask you, you know, they'll ask you questions and stuff like that. And if that's not happening, ask questions. Everybody will talk to you. So, And if you don't know anyone, if you don't know anyone and you are a bit socially anxious, as I am, believe it or not, just, you know, just mention that, you know, I'm sure people will dive in and help, you know. Absolutely. And if you're a Clash of Kings, uh, come see us. We'll be there. We'll, we're nice and friendly. So absolutely. <laughs> Clem's the friendly dungeon saga overlord. Am I? Am I? The, um, I would say one more thing uh, back on the game itself. Um, I mean, the only games that I played for quite some time were against the same people over and over again. And you tend to develop a certain understanding about how the game is played. And so I think it's important to remember when you play against a new person to be very explicit about what you're doing and to be open about what's going on and transparent about what you're doing. And if you have any doubt or any frustrations, voice them right away, because most likely that other person is not doing something to annoy you or to cheat. It's just they have a different convention in how they play the game. And if you just tell them, hey, can you please do this instead? Or, hey, uh, I don't understand why you do that or whatever then if you just talk about it, then you avoid any tension to build up. And Clem's I just think... explaining every game I've had with him. No, Chris, <laughs> I keep telling you this. That's it's different. No, that's you because can't you move don't like read. that. You can't read. That's different. No, but it's it's also very important. I think Kings of War is really an intention-based game. And so if you move a unit and you think, okay, it's very clear, it's outside of charge range from that other unit, say it. And once it's been said, even if it's not measured properly and your opponent said, okay, well, next time you can just be like, hey, well, that's what we agreed earlier. Completely agree, Clem. And if you don't do this... Once you do that, I've never had a situation where someone said, well, actually, it's just in. Uh, uh, Yeah. uh." Yeah. And so it speeds the game and it really builds a social relationship with your opponent where... It's not like you against him. It's like you play with him. You know what I mean? And so it's very, very important, especially with people you've never met. And there's always kind of some tension and excitement about the game. Just say what you're doing and ask questions or don't let any tension or like 
frustrations build up because you don't know that person. It's much easier to prevent than to uh, solve afterward. And Clem, just to, that's a great point. Just to build on that slightly, what I find is obviously I'm somewhere near the lower tables, but what I tend to find is we start off just exactly as you've explained there, going, oh, my intention is I'm just out of charge range of that unit of knights or whatever it might be, right? And we start doing that. By the end of the game, we're often going, oh, have you thought about charging my guy there, trying to overrun? And actually, we end up trying to actually help each other play the game better. And it's... Um, and that's way more fun to be quite honest with you yeah because you build a completely different relationship with your opponent again you play with him not against him or her um or them so i think it's it's uh it's a very important thing to uh, make the most out of your events and make it enjoyable games for everyone involved especially because you're going to get your ass kicked the first two or three games at least try to understand what's going on and not be frustrated by it and, and so on. Anyway, I, th I think I think the only time I've possibly been at the top table was that that one time I beat Sebastian somehow, who's actually a very good player. And then I went on to tragically lose my second game and then, you know, down I went. Down the down the pairings I went. Beautiful. Super. Any anything that I think it's a great question from Peter. Is there anything else we've got to add? Cool. Next question, Chris. So Mo is asking Mantic Vault and how it will impact the friendly local gaming store. Um, well, potentially, I mean, I, th I might be alone in thinking this, but I think if I was a local friendly store owner, I think actually, to be honest, it would make me more inclined to order Mantic stuff rather than less. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think Briefly. some of it, they might be sitting on some stock that might be harder to um, sell. But at the same time, I think not everyone will 3D print everything from day one. Like people will still want uh, resin cast stuff, even if it's you could 3D print it yourself. Uh, I think also Mantic mentioned they will do commercial licenses for the vaults exclusively for brick and mortar stores. And I thought, oh, that's fucking brilliant. Like, not maybe not all stores also have um, like a 3D printer or 3D printer farm, but to kind of try to get these um, uh, commercial partners involved in this, I think it's really brilliant, really interesting. So potentially, I think it's building the future of tabletop gaming also with them. Mark, sorry, buddy, do you want to jump in? Oh, I was going to say, I agree with Clem. The, the neat thing is you may be seeing the evolution of the hobby shop. You know, not everybody's going to get into 3D printing and print armies. And uh, we had Navin from Painted Figs on at one time many years ago. And we were postulating that, um, you know, you're going to be able to get your army painted and already in color, you know, for the people that don't want to paint. You know, Hero Forge is already doing it, you know, at 50 bucks a figure. And that, that's going to come down, you know, in price. And so how cool would it be to roll into your local game shop and say, you know, hey, I fancy myself some Imperial Dwarfs. Uh, you know, this is my army list. Uh, how much is that going to cost for you to print? You know, all Mantic sculpts, all Mantic ready to go. And, um, you know, the hobby shops are going to also have to evolve if, 3D printing is going to be a big part of what miniatures are all about. They're going to have to get involved too. And again, not everybody's going to 3D print. I mean, it's just, it's never going to happen. Um, well, I can't say that because they may 
come up with a way to do it. But for right now, in the current horizon, they should be involved with it. And, you know, the one thing we all know is Games Workshop follows what Mantic does. So <laughs> the next thing that's going to happen is that uh, Games Workshop's going to be getting into STLs or something like that. So we'll see that down the line. And I think that is what would really kick the uh, stores into gear for getting it. But, uh, you know, I, you know, Rob's uh, local store, uh, what, uh, uh, War Room Hobbies, you know, they, they do, they have a printing service. So, kaboosh. You know, they're going to be able to get their stuff printed for them right there. Funtainment so, building also. They have printers. You know where we did the, the gaming day, Chris? Yeah, they yeah of course have, I remember. Uh, they also have printers. Yeah, this is so. fascinating points, guys. That's so interesting. Uh, next question. So, Carl Timberlake. Hi, Kyle. Who actually knows what he's doing, bless him. Uh, Mantic Vault as a form of marketing for their games. We kind of touched on it earlier, I thought, rather, um, a little bit. We talking about them uh, maybe having a my yeah. minis account or whatever it might yeah, be getting exposure exposure to a larger audience through stl files and uh i think that can be a fantastic opportunity to open up what i think is the core asset like the amazing rules that they have uh compared to everything else uh, that is available it's a potential uh, goods opening as well i think yep we're going to struggle with the next question. I, I'm going to struggle with the suit, even saying the pseudonym of that this person's given me. This is someone there. Clem and I know it's, well. Uh, our friend Manuel, you know. Yeah. Should we should we announce that? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, just it is. <laughs> I've no idea how to pronounce it. Would love to hear what you guys think about the recent Night Stalker rules changes in Kings of War. So not only regarding what they in the game, one of they are in the game, but also what you think about changing the rules mid-season. So I'm going to be completely honest. I have absolutely no idea what the change of rules are. However, if something is clearly too good, I have no problem with them changing it mid-season, to be quite honest. But I'll pass over to you guys to see what you think. So I followed a little bit. Like, I didn't check all the details, and you know how much I suck about uh, all of this. I think I completely understand and support Mantic's position. And I, I like the one update a year, but if they release new models, I'm happy to see, let's say, better rules in the companion app uh, and then solidify everything in the yearly edition uh, because then it gives them a wider window to release new models. And I'm happy to see new models from them. And then on the rules themselves, well, I think people love to complain about stuff, you know, like, oh, my God, like the new whatever are the shooty butchers. They're so good compared to boomers. That's uh, so under cost and so on. Yeah, well, maybe prove me wrong, you know, like uh, prove it. Sorry, and... Ben, do you want to say something, buddy? Um, yeah, I was going to come in and kind of like a. I, I can see kind of both sides where they're coming from a little bit, mostly in that. I, I, I definitely agree. I think Mantic should be able to produce. That's the whole point of the Mantic Companion. And honestly, the price of the Companion is peanuts compared to pretty much any other game where you have to pay for source books and all that kind of stuff. The cost of a subscription, while I understand how that could be irksome to have to pay a subscription fee, I understand that, but it it opens up so many avenues for things like this. On the opposite end, I can see how um, having 
something change mid-season, especially for the competitive side of the of the gaming and not just the narrative side. But um, halfway through the season, having uh, this new unit that's come out, even if it's been playtested, the problem, even if it's been sufficiently playtested, playtesting is done in a vacuum and there's always going to be something that's not seen when it's actually brought into the full game itself, which can be exploited. Now, that could be countered easily by quickly updating through the companion once more um, any adjustments that they see, if anything, is egregious to the extreme once it comes out. I think a good compromise might be is rather than one single update a year with the Clash of Kings, having it be like a quarterly update. That way it wouldn't require Mantic to wait an entire year to come out with models that they've developed and have this giant wave of new stuff that people don't have enough time to, one, salivate over and pick at and look over and get excited about. Um, But that also gives four opportunities throughout the year or however many times they want to do it to be able to update things in a significant way and where it's streamlined through the companion, that makes it easier to accomplish if that makes sense and also but also allows it to have that those course corrections if necessary and allow mantic to be able to push their um commercial aspect of advertising these new models and these new ideas and these new styles of play through their companion app mark do you want to add to that buddy well, I I guess I'm a little torn. One of the things is, you know, when the Big Red book came out, it's like, well, we're going to have this book for two and a half years. It's now obsolete. So I totally get the um, Mantic Companion. I subscribe to the Mantic Companion. I love the Mantic Companion. Um, but I could see how uh, some people are cheesed off about that, um, you know, happening. So, you know, the book is basically obsolete at this point um i mean most of it's still good but you know the whole goal was you only carried one book to the bookstore you know to the hobby shop or wherever you're playing and so yes and no right i know i'm conflicted so make me feel better clem my take is i think i still want to have one big update a year like the clash of king former i think that's a big selling point for me because I don't have to follow what's the latest this month or what is the latest model that I need to buy and paint in three nights before the next big tournament to be well-placed and exploit uh, failures in playtesting. This is something I do not want to see in Kings of War. And so I think for me, there's a very simple solution to this. It's like every big tournament should use the latest uh, Clash of King book and all the other rules are kind of like beta, uh, sort of treated as a beta. And maybe it's up to each tournament or, or event organizer to say, we use this or that version of it. I, I, would, suggest, I would suggest we split it. So if there's just literally a typo was made, which does happen, or an egregious mistake where something was put in wrong then it goes in the bug bucket right and they can fix that as soon as they can and put out an errata saying sorry this was wrong but then if it's actually a change to gameplay where they're changing what was intended you know or rebalancing something maybe then that could go in every quarter something like that they and that something like that has happened in the u.s currently with the with the new units for the night stalkers and some of the updates that just came out 
um, with uh, with any Masters approved tournament, generally speaking. Granted, they don't come down and say you cannot use this, but for Masters themselves, they have come out and stated that we will not be using those updates and you can't use them. And Mantic is actually obliged with that because they've, if I remember right, they've made it so that you can flip back and forth between the two versions of the Night Stalkers lists um, as kind of a response to that of, you know, this is all new, not a lot of people know about it, I have a lot of chance to play with it. And so I think that's I think that's a good compromise along the lines of what you're thinking. Completely agree with you, Ben. And that way, tournament organizers can decide for themselves what they want to do. Yep. And what's best for their players. Super. Um, that makes a lot of sense. So Just one, one more thing about the Night Stalker rules. From what I understand, um, one of the, what are they called, like the Leapers, or maybe I got the name wrong. I think the, you know, the, the Reaper models, they have a, a variant build. And I think these guys have a different rule, like a new mechanic that doesn't really exist in the game. Um, yeah, there was a couple of them. There was one that they stole, well, borrowed from um, the, the Firefight, which I think it's Firefight that has the the advanced charge where they're able to charge on a, on a counter charge or on a first charge or something like that. They have a plus one to hit or something along those lines. That Correct, was for the, yes, if it's non-hindered charge, exactly. Yeah, and so they'd put that onto the Shadow Hounds, and then the the Leapers, I forget their names too, the the variant that you were talking about, they have the, basically they all have edge telescopes. So they all count as visibility of being one high, higher. So I think those are the two new rules that they've introduced as kind of like a let's test right. the waters and see if this works. Oh, yeah, there's a little controversy about that. Didn't they do some special rules or something like that? And uh, so it's new keywords, right? So yeah, new I keywords too. Yeah, it's. I think there's kind of a there's a balance. It's kind of a difficult uh, balance to find between changing nothing to the game and it's the good old game we all know and love, and finding new improvements and variations and keep it fresh, and. I don't know. I mean, I haven't tried any of it. Obviously, I haven't even read the details. Um, I think it's interesting to see them still bring in some new things, but I'm personally attached to uh, generic keywords as much as possible and not have game-breaking mechanics. For, for example, the I think it's the aeronauts that always hit on fours or something like this. Uh, not. I don't like it. I don't want to see rules like this. I also you know? don't like it. Um, and so the have a completely new keyword that for now only the Night Stalkers have because those are the latest guys to have the an update. Maybe, but then uh, that's something I would want to see uh, elsewhere in a way. Like I don't want to have unique rules per army. That's that's the thing. In I'm isolation, it does feel a little bit GW, doesn't it? I understand mm. where it comes from. Like, it's not really mm. to sell new models. Very much so. Yeah. But, and it might be interesting for them to add, like, this... Because they already have, like, the siege rules and the massive battle rules and the create-your-own-monster rules. Why not have a section for, here's some flavor rules or things along those lines where we can put these things and people can play with them if they want to or not. Um, but whether or not that becomes game breaking if it works 
if it plays well in that setting, then maybe seeing about porting it over at that point. But that way it allows up for more playtesting outside of the rules committee and their, and their, you know, cabal that they have for lack of a better term. I like that idea. That's a cool idea. If there's an, a narrative section with narrative rules, it's something we've, we've talked about previously, actually, which, you like know, could be a bit of a testament. Right. Experimental rules is what you mean. Exactly. As well, then. Yeah, exactly. That would work great. Where it's kind of more widely understood that this is not perfectly balanced. It's it's narrative gaming, right? So yeah, it's work in progress. Like, um, hey, let's throw some beta rules at you guys. And uh, this is not to say this is how you win the next big tournament. Please rush and buy the latest plastic from us if you want to win like some others might be doing, you know? It's more, hey, we're still trying to keep the game fresh and exciting. Here is our latest idea. Please fuck around with it and find out how you like it. That oh, part I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah, they're doing that in Firefight now with the Forge Fathers and stuff like that. There's beta rules in there. Completely you can play wrong. with them or play or not play with them. It's your choice. And- and it fits with the conversation that we were having before about how this is not a gotcha game. This is not. This is all about intentions, right? So if Mantic knows that we're trying to avoid that kind of a thing by putting it out like that and by making it, you know, completely clear that you know these are these are test rules or these are things that we want you to try. We want to hear your feedback. We want to see what you're going to do. That way, by the time if they become official they'll have been played enough by the community at large that the exploitations will be available and there won't be that, oh, by the way, this unit does this kind of thing that GW, or sorry, I shouldn't have named the name the company, but um, the, the other companies have done that have made it such a, a tiresome experience, especially in a tournament setting where you're sitting there and you have to have an encyclopedia of just for your opponent's army and there's a different encyclopedia for each army that you have to know. Right. Yeah. You also have to keep buying books for armies you don't play just to keep on top of the rules, right? Every month. You know, it's uh, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, having access to not having army books and having access to all of it, that's what sets Kings of War aside. You know, sets it apart and makes it such the lovable game that it is. Is you don't have to have all that and you don't have to spend a bazillion dollars to, you know, be good and to keep up with the latest rules. I mean, what was it? One of the editions of Warhammer, one of the guys was talking, I think it was seventh or eighth edition. I mean, he spent $1,500 just on rule books, you know, just to have all the rules and stuff. It's like, that's crazy. That doesn't even but include that's... the special edition ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love Necromunda, for example, uh, but, uh, I can tell you it's not 60 pounds a year to get every single rule for that system. It's 60 well, pounds per book and those come out very regularly. But I, also on is, top of that. Oh, what, sorry. Sorry, Ben. What gets me is when people complaining bitterly on, on the, you know, fanatics page about having to buy a new book for King, Kings of War. And it's like, guys, we don't even know we're born, you know, like, <laughs> sorry, Ben. No, I was going to say, and even with Necromunda, though, and things like that, that's not necessarily a competitive game. You can play Necromunda whatever version you want, and you don't need all those extraneous things. Yes, you can spend all this money on that, but you don't need to to play an enjoyable game. Whereas with Kings of War, if you're going to be going to tournaments or a competitive game along those lines and you want to be competitive, you shouldn't have to, you know, 
sell one of your kidneys to be able to keep up with the current trends. Fair enough. What I'm saying is just, okay, you don't like subscriptions. I also don't like subscriptions. But then I did the math, and now I stopped thinking about it like a subscription. I'm thinking about I'm paying £60 a year, and I get every single thing that I need to have. That's fair. That sounds that's a like a reasonable purchase, you know? Yeah, that's it's a good way to look like, at it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you placed a pre-order, basically. You pre-ordered the books, and they're just coming digitally. I think we're done with uh, the serious questions. Chris, do you want to take us out with the next uh, question? I'd be delighted. Yes, a, a, a lovely long question from your friend and mine, Danny Graves. Okay, imagine this. You've made it through to the final game of Clash of Kings UK 2023, the biggest ever seen by man. You've won every game so far. Chris Lynch is cowering nervously in the corner. A line of saucy ladies are swooning as you swagger to the table. And you're limping slightly because you're... (laughs) I didn't read this in advance. Because your genitals have swollen to an uncomfortable size due to your tactical brilliance perfect all eyes are on you and steve hildrew felt compelled to drive his car through the roof with the beams on just so you could have a spotlight and the question is at this point what theme song do you come into uh kiss uh thanks danny for the lovely lovely question beautifully written as always so um okay so what he's getting at is this is our you know, we're a W, it's not called WWF anymore, is it? What's wrestling called now? WCW? I don't know. Anyway, what's the what's the theme tune we would have as we walk in, you know, to play our cage match or whatever? Yeah, I mean, Chris, you've posted first, so what did you choose yeah, and why? Easy decision for me, Debaser by the Pixies. I won't try and sing it and we won't try and play it because I think we'll get in trouble. But uh, yeah, dear listener, go to YouTube and uh, look up Pixies Debaser. Uh, it's it's just a, I love the Pixies. It's a great song. Um, you know, high energy, you know. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I just love it. Yeah, yeah. Clem, what about you, buddy? Well, we so, give the others more time to think. I, I don't just have a song. I have a song and a choreography. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the film Wayne's World. Of course. Yeah. So Absolutely. I love that movie. And so when I read his description, I thought about myself, Garth, in the foxy lady singing and dance. So I would do this choreography. And I'm I will anybody. go on the record and, and promise to everyone if I win uh, my first four games for game number five, I'll do the Foxy Lady dance and sing it like that. And so I'm safe. I don't have to learn the the words and the, the, the dance moves. But yeah, that's uh, that's what I was. A podcast very much has a kind of Wayne's World vibe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I don't know who is who, but, uh, you know, I think <laughs> I know. Party on. Excellent. Party on. <laughs> Clem. Perfect. Don't Mark, get me started. Don't get me song? started. <laughs> Mike, what song would you would you boogie into the ring to? Oh well, I don't know if I would boogie into the ring. So I don't know. Uh, I I had a big challenge once uh, that I had to issue, and um, I think it was for Lone Wolf, and uh, oh, it was Nathan Arnold, I think, 
And um, so I picked Dogs by Pink Floyd. So I would do that again. There's a particular uh, part in the beginning that I would like to uh, put in there. Um, so that's what I would do. It wouldn't be very long, but that, that that one section of the song Dogs by Pink Floyd, I would use. So I'll try and get it in the show notes. I was What's just imagining, hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's about uh, waiting to put the uh, waiting for your opportunity to put the knife in. <laughs> so oh, it's a it's a good song. I, I will get you. Uh, I will get you some lyrics. So Ben, what about you, buddy? So where I where we just were talking about the dwarf book, there's been a song that's been on repeat. And I just went and saw this group last week. They're an Italian band that I think would be perfect for it. Here, I'll put a link in the notes. But it's a group called Windrose, and they have a song that's called Diggy Diggy Hole. Um, and it's hilarious. It's I'm a dwarf, and I'm digging a hole, and it's all metal, and it's great. And so that's what I would uh, dance into. Somebody – was it you, Clem? Somebody shared this with me recently. Uh, I've seen it go around somewhere, so yeah, I don't know, but it wasn't me, but I've seen it go around. So, and you would bring uh, like uh, Sylvan Kin, obviously, Ben, right? Obviously, exactly. I'd do that just for spite. <laughs> the best also, reason for all things. Exactly. Also wearing full dwarf regalia, like like the guys do in the band. So you know. I just love the idea of just like, you know, having such a chip on your shoulder that you're just anything that happens, you know, sort of like accidentally bumping into someone. Right. That's it. A blood feud for life. You know, this is going to go for 10 generations. You know, a simple misunderstanding. Right. We'll never forget this. Super. Ah, goodness me, guys. We we certainly can make long podcasts, can't we? Yeah, I think we're. Yeah, the whole point is it's just a bunch of friends sitting down talking about Kings of War. So I think we accomplished that. Job done. We did, we, I mean, we skipped the topic of the month, you know? We did. And we're supposed to uh, plug in the one-hour Dead Zone stuff right now. I've uh, already done we? it, buddy. I've already done it. I'm so yeah. efficient. But but thanks awesome. for reminding me and don't stop reminding me of stuff. So, Super. But it's going to be a five-hour episode is just what I'm saying. You know, no big deal. Yeah, we're getting up there. Um, ben, thank you so much for joining us. Honestly, it's been an absolute delight. And some of the things you were saying were absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to come back anytime you guys want me. Oh, we're definitely going to have you back. Mark, anything to add before we sign off? No, it's been a long one to uh, everyone who has made it to the end of this podcast. I salute you. We call them the 20 percenters, right, Mark? So 20 <laughs> percent of go. our listeners actually make it to the end. And they're our real fans, right? Claim it. No, you know, no one else. You know, they're just they just come. They listen for 10 it's minutes. Just, Pah, they don't. We don't care about them. It's uh, people Chris. with long commutes. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, you might want to think about breaking this one into two parts, my friend. So. Yeah. And yet. Yeah. <laughs> and yet that would take work. <laughs> <laughs> it would also break the flow i mean it, it flew that's true that's you know? true but uh, oh very nice well it's a great conversation so to you 20 percent, i salute you okay dear listeners clement here um what follows is an older recording with claudio and volker uh, talking about dead zone in germany 
Uh, it looks like we lost a few seconds of audio at the start of this recording, but hopefully you will still enjoy hearing Volker tell us all about Dead Zone. And uh, yeah, have fun. I'm 45 years old. I live in the same town, uh, city as Claudio Regensburg in Bavaria. Um, my hobby background. So I started role playing with 12 years old and Ninja War Games. I think with uh, about 50, when I was 15, first game was Blood Bowl, second second edition. Nice. Um, and then, like everybody my my age, uh, I played um, Warhammer Fantasy Battles and Warhammer 40k. Started with second edition 40k and quit with second uh, edition 40k. Um, yeah, I played a lot of uh, Games Workshop stuff. Um, fell out of the hobby. Uh, mid 20s came back 15 years ago with uh, dystopian wars and then i found mantic games through dreadball that was my first game from mantic um i did the kickstarter for dead zone first edition only played i think two or three games of it um so my dead zone uh, gaming started with second edition uh, I brought it to my gaming club. Um, I found about yeah three to four people who really enjoyed it, and yeah, we started playing Dead Zone a lot. Nice. Um, Which faction did you play? Uh, I'm so I have all of them. Uh, but Good answer. Play, uh, yeah, I mostly play um, Forefathers and Women. Um, I played Plague, um, I actually never played uh, the Raps, um, but mostly Forge Fathers and Women. That's my go-to factions. Two quite different factions. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I just like Space Rats, and I like the Stunty, the Stunty uh, Forge Fathers. And why are the Brockers the best? Um, I don't use them as much. I'm mostly uh, Steel Warriors um, and the Iron Ancestor is still awesome. Still very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. And what do you think of the changes for third edition? Um, I didn't find so many differences. There are some, some stuff um, I'm really, I, I really like. There's nothing where I, say, uh, I would say it's nothing is awful. Everything works out. Um, so yeah, it was was a smooth transition. Have you tried Kings of War? Yes, yes. We we lately started uh, playing um, yeah Kings of War and now um, what's it is called the smaller one? Ambush. Vanguard. Oh, Vanguard. Yeah, Ambush. Vanguard. Ambush. Yeah. yeah. So the the same people who play that song with me is now starting uh, playing Kings of War. Fantastic. But so, what's the the gamer uh, the gamer group like? Like, uh, like, is there an active Dead Zone community in Regensburg? Or um, so, my my gaming club uh, is actually a Magic the Gathering uh, club. Um, like, eighty percent is Magic the Gathering, but they start uh, they had a starting back in I think twenty seventeen uh, monthly uh, board gaming night. They quickly. Uh, became a weekly board gaming night and I'm the one who is responsible to bringing war games to the club 
So yeah, I, I started with um, with Bushido, um, Walking Dead, and then Dead Zone. And now we uh, in through the pandemic we uh, we now have our board game and wargaming uh, night as, uh, every Saturday. And yeah, we play. Lately, we've, we played a lot of Firefight uh, and Kings of War. Um, year before, a lot of Dead Zone um, and a little bit of everything. Is that just people have now painted up enough models they can play Firefight? Um, actually, we play with a lot of grey models. <laughs> so oh, really? I, I, I painted up now about five, uh, five armies for Firefight. Uh, but my the other people they are not so keen into uh, into painting, so we play with a lot of unpainted models. It's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's tricky because of course you want to play, you want to encourage people into the game, but it, it, it is cooler playing with painted models. Yeah, so if if I try to get people into into the game, I bring bring models, uh, so they have painted models. That's not a problem. Nice. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit, because let's be honest, Claudio, I think he was trying to take the credit, but I think really you did all of the actual work, right, Volker? Probably. So um, back in 2019, I think it was, um, I organized the, according to T3, uh, the first official um, German death zone tournament. That's um, cool. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, we had, uh, there were eight people, four from our club and four uh, from um, from around uh, our city. One was Claudio, who already also won the tournament. Um, and it worked out uh, quite well. So I did another one in the same year in, in, uh, in, in autumn, I think it was September. And... Then I I try I wanted to do another one in 2020 about May ish, yeah. And then everybody knows. We all know what uh, happened then. Yeah, Corona hit. Containment protocols locked in. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And the uh, the the rules here in, in Germany were quite strict, so I could have done it in the beginning of uh, in the end of 2020, but I would have to get. Uh, between rounds, I would have to get everybody out of the room, disinfect all the terrain and stuff, and that's just a hassle for maybe six or eight people. So, yeah, it took till yeah last uh, two weeks ago um, when I did my my third tournament with six no fourteen people. Wow. Uh, yeah. Clem and I actually went to the UK. Kings of War GT in Cardiff okay. during you know peak COVID times. Okay. We were only there for a couple of days. We still had to post off COVID test results, and obviously we we're all masked up and everything. It was still yeah. fun, but of course it was challenging, shall we say? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Amazing. And so, what can you tell us about this this tournament? So, did you do a Swiss pairing system? How did how did you yes. organize yeah. it? So. Um, so the, the, the first two tournaments was a, a just a Swiss pairing with eight people. That's uh, ideal. Um, uh, I I did little trophies for first, second, and third, and um, I got a, a my red lantern for for the, the last 
um, and he got a, a new new set of dice. So maybe he will not be the last one in the next um, in the next game. Uh, and this time uh, I used a Swiss pairing with tournament points. So I yeah I I took the um, the 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 rules for uh, for the tournament from the Adepticon um, tournament. So you get tournament points for winning the game. You get the uh, tournament points for uh, having uh, models in the opposing um, uh, deployment zone, and you get tournament points for uh, killing the um, the opposing leader. Uh, so just to to spice it up a little bit. That's that's really cool. And then even if you're losing badly, you can still try and claw back a few points somehow. I really yeah. like that. That's cool. Fantastic. And which scenarios did you go for? Um, okay, so I haven't um, wrote them down, so let's see if I can get them. Um, we, we played the Deep Strike. Um, oh, God. No worries, buddy. It, they, they well, maybe Claudio nice. can remember them. Uh, <laughs> Hey-ho. I should go board stag. Thank you. <laughs> Can you hear me? Um, we can yes. hear you, buddy. Do you, okay, do you remember which scenarios you played at the, uh, at so, the tournament? <laughs> you asked a bit um, too early. I was already opening my uh, my rule book to look them up because if I see them, I will remember the names. Because, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think we will get to that in a, in a minute. <laughs> no worries maybe we can just move the conversation on oh, while you sorry. subtly look fantastic and how did um Volker, how did people were there any factions that did really well or really badly or was it very balanced i think it was pretty balanced so um we we didn't have all uh all factions um i think there were no no uh reps um and no no nameless <laughs> there was quite quite a lot of uh, enforcers. We have two two people playing ma uh, Mason Lab. Filthy, um, hmm? Filthy Mason Labs. <laughs> yeah, you played them too. I remember. If I yeah. Remember. <laughs> um, we had G I think we had GCPS. Um, yeah, we actually we had GCPS. We had Plague at least twice. Forefathers, Asterians. Amazing. Yeah. And, and Vermin, Vermin too. I think Vermin really name, Nameless and Reps, I think, were the only ones missing. And it makes yeah. sense. It's hard to get their models, right? Now it's easier to get the Maison yeah. Lab models, but, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And did you play 150 points? Yeah, I played. Uh, so I opted for 150 points. Um, in the beginning, I was thinking 200 points, but. Um, I like the 150 points because you you really have to think what do you bring to um, to the table. With 200 points, it's not just I take everything and then maybe something more. So I just like the the 100 points. Uh, 200 points, you can take two big monsters or whatever, can't yeah. you? Whereas 150, you have to make difficult decisions and you won't be able to do everything, right? That that's the thing. So. If if I look at my my list with uh, with 150 points, for me it's like, do I bring an, an uh, iron ancestor or don't, or do I not? 
do I only play with six models or do I take uh, two or three uh, Steel Wars with me? With 200 points, it's just I take an Iron Ancestor and get what everything uh, what is left. So yeah, I, I like the 150 points bracket. Amazing. And how much time did you leave for for each game? So um, about an hour about, uh, and, and a couple of minutes, because we uh, we had people who had to leave early. Um, yeah, so uh, we had about an, an hour and ten, I think, to uh, to set up and uh, and finish the game. We had a, a couple of uh, games; they just made it to second turn. Um, but yeah, that's that's the thing with tournaments. Um, Were there new players? Uh, I, I, yeah, one was my brother who had his, I think, his third game. Uh, the other one was was uh, quite experienced, but it just took so uh, so long. So yeah, but it worked out. So nobody nobody was like, oh, we only played two uh, two turns. Uh, everybody had fun, um, even if they only played two uh, two turns. Yeah, I, th- I think um, those who didn't finish or were a bit more far from the finish line um, knew why it was. They they took their time at the beginning, uh, asked yeah. more. So I think it, it was a bit more their own fault, so to say, um, if, if you want to to uh, like pin it down. And I think everyone knew. We had the timer at the wall. We knew um, what was going on when the last round came, and so on. And with 150 points, at a uh, at a certain point, it really goes so fast because you only have three troops. You don't have to think about it. You know you have to kill the leader to get your tournament points and to to get like hold of your maximum you can get out of it now. So it's it gets really fast after the first turn. Um, I think, and, and while I'm, yeah, with, with your list, buddy, with your cyborg list, buddy, I think all of your games were finished by turn two anyway, weren't they? <laughs> uh, good question. No, I think I think um, I had a one one game with three turns, um, but it was a bit of a mop up action, like getting the breakthrough in the end because I couldn't make it um, faster. So I, I think, to be honest, in two turns, it's it's. It, it was quite fast, yeah. So I have the the scenarios uh, scenario names right now. If you want me to, yes, please, buddy. So I think Volker already said that Deep Strike was one of them. Yeah. So um, that was like I think the third we played. Then we had Invade, the one with the four point objective on the other side. I think um, divide and conquer, where you have the two-point objectives on the sides, and where there's four, one, two, three. What was the fourth one? Oh, I'm on a loss. Ha! I usually spend ages looking at the different scenarios and then go, ah, let's just play patrol. <laughs> I like. I know where I am. I like patrol. Patrol. I just good. roll for them. Yeah. yeah. So I think we had four. Um, I I thought I I had four too, but apparently yeah, I don't. We had, so. invade, did, did we have uh, Did we have scatter? Um, uh, the uh, no, I don't think so. Crazy ones? No. Okay. I'm sure if I open your T3 link, I will find it before you guys do. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing on the T3. 
Uh, we didn't hear no the it's plausible uh, deniability you know nothing nothing's written down ah now now i know it, it was cash, the one with, no the, with the gas cloud um area denial that's the area one ah uh, okay super fantastic with, with the toxic okay chris so cloud. now we can train on those scenarios and next time we go to regensburg we just crush them Oh, you know. that's exactly how we roll. That's Absolutely. exactly the type of player we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. The thing is, just real, actually, uh, the first tournament back in 20, uh, 2019, I actually uh, put up on uh, on T, uh, T3 um, with no response at all. So um, I didn't bother for the, th- uh, the second or the third tournament. I think but people I, came. That's the important thing. Yeah. It's yeah. the first point, but then I think it's important also for us if you want to try to bring up more of a community uh, to show these events outside of our gaming groups. And I mean, I'm saying this, and we haven't advertised any of our events uh, from the Berlin Gaming Club, so <laughs> we're kind of in a bad position. But we're thinking so about it. I, I actually did, so I, I put it up on uh, on the, uh, the the that's on fanatics, the that's on fanatics Germany. Um, I, the last one I put in the um, the companion app, um, right. so I did I did uh, advertise. Um, no. I'm not sure if if anybody from uh, from Deathstone Fanatics um, had a, a second thought about. Um, most of my uh, yeah of of the uh, the com- um, the participants were from I think the Deathstone um, Germany Facebook group. At my my own club. Nice. That makes sense. I mean, That's it's uh, kind of getting started, I think, uh, because there's I think there's really a snowball effect, uh, right? Like when you have just one event, then people are like, eh, there are not so many things going mm-hmm. on. It's not worth playing it. But as soon as you reach a critical mass, then I think people uh, start playing a lot more, and maybe some people will travel a bit more, and so. I hope that's what we will achieve pretty soon for Speaking uh, of which, Clem, that is a perfect segue. So the 22nd of July. Yeah. In Idstein, which is about, we're going to say, what, three and a half, four hours away from you guys. So it's uh, between Frankfurt and Wiesbaden. It's in that kind of area. Hmm. It's a small town called Idstein. It's the perfect place to visit for the weekend. It's beautiful. There's a shop there called Yoda's Data, and we'll be having on the Saturday. We'll be having a Dead Zone day, and okay. I imagine if you guys want to stay Sunday, I imagine we'll also be having some games at my house on the Sunday. So it would be very, very much appreciated if you guys could make it all the way to Idstein to play some Dead Zone. And I'm so, putting you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> So normally I would say no problem because uh, I actually um, I'm I'm in Frankfurt for once once every two weeks uh, for work. Uh, unfortunately, that's my the last weekend before I go uh, go on holiday uh, to Gen Con. Oh, so of course it is perfect. I need to do stuff probably. Okay, so, so it's on Claudio to come then. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've I've already talked about it. I I know I. Uh, like look the town up. It really has a nice historic um, old town. So oh, it's beautiful. That's, yeah, it's that's very romantic too. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm 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 pretty sure that I will make it. I'm asking around uh, how we will plan it, etc. But 
I'm, I've got a few positive responses already. So I think. So that means we need yes. to learn how to play the game because some good players will actually show up. <laughs> so we're, we're still... I'm making just I'm just making the rules up. I'm not a good player. I'm just you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I know what is broken. I will take it and then. <laughs> I'm now doing something called the fist of gork. I roll a you know on a four up and your stuff is dead. Oh wait, sorry, wrong game system. Sorry, um, uh, Claudia, that's great news, buddy. Thank you so much. And obviously, if you can drag anyone else along, just bring because um, I think it's really important. So it's the first time at the shop that they're taking this quite seriously because I've been turning mm -hmm. up for you know 12 months now playing trying to get new players in but this is the first time the shop's actually taking this quite seriously so honestly if I can just get people to come along it it's going to make a huge difference right um yeah not I think not just locally so I really appreciate that and um Folke, you have to um yeah, you'll have to come and visit when you come to Frankfurt. We'll have to, you'll have to come and stay and play some Dead Zone. If you, yeah, I have your uh, your Facebook, so I will uh, will hit you up. Fantastic. So, in, in Frankfurt again for uh, for for night without a, anything I, to do. Please. And so, I think, Chris, aren't you also a firefight enthusiast? Oh yeah. So that's that's also a focus thing yeah I, I think adapticon so yeah you're I've, playing I've, right I've played in the uh, in the uh, firefight tournament didn't came dead last but second to last but I won the um, the um, sportsman award so oh fantastic there you go which faction did you play I played end forces um, just be, because I only needed 24 models um normally oh, that's the last two actually, only, bombers the only one <laughs> the only one the only one and he didn't do do anything yeah no he was actually was killed in my second game in the uh, in the second turn so he didn't do a lot and i lost all my games so yeah but you had a great time losing it, it which was is fun. the important it, thing come yeah. to berlin if you want to win some games <laughs> Oh, to we, Frankfurt as well. Uh, we t we talk about this all the time on the pod, though. It's just it seems increasingly ridiculous. You'd only have fun if you win. This, uh, if that was the case, it means one person is having a bad time every game. That's crazy, right? If if that was, and I'm bad at all the games, right? So, you know, mm. if if I only had fun if I win, what would I be doing with my life? You know? Yeah. And I think oh, this is very exciting. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Chloe. And, and I think uh, that's one especially is you have a lot of water cooling moments. So just the the awful dice roll versus the uh, the the perfect dice rolls and stuff, and just stuff happening. So uh, I remember my brother came back uh, came down from from Berlin with uh, with my nephew to play in the tournament. Um, he lost all his games, but uh, he was in I think the first game in the uh, in not even the first turn. Uh, he had a uh, his his pathfinder sniper um, who made a scout move um, on a um, on an item, picked it up. It was intel, so he got two uh, two victory points just for making a scout move. But I think he only managed to to uh, to get one more victory point in the whole game. But the two first two uh, two victory points before the game even started, 
Yeah, he'd talk about it. Perfect. No matter what happened, I was winning and he just came from behind then at the end just to win. And I was I was ahead. Yeah, that's that's exactly the kind of thing I would say. Oh, that's amazing. But I think everyone's losing so many games because Claudio is winning all the games. Is that right? I mean, I, I'm understanding this right, I think. <laughs> I wish it would be that way. Yeah, the, the thing is, I haven't played uh, Claudio, I think, in three years because he, he never shows up to our club. Fair. Um, and I didn't play in the tournaments uh, in the last two, but I played in the first one. Um, so no idea how he um, how he actually uh, is how his winning streak is or isn't. So uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the before COVID there uh, it was uh, the club a few times and then with COVID hitting up and personal time a bit a bit less on my side. It just it was a bit forgotten. But I I vow that I will come there more often and I have a. Few few friends of mine who want to do that too, so hopefully we will arrange that, and then yeah. you can test me. And to be honest, the 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 list I was taking, I was I played the the list a few times before the tournament, and then I played other 150 point lists because I knew mm-hmm. okay, I, I like that, I will take that, I I can change up a, a few games. Um, so those other games didn't go well. <laughs> at all i think it, i haven't won one of those other games with i think asterians plague um gcps every like whatever you can imagine so um i think it was just my 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 strong list and i i knew what i, I wanted to do with it to be honest um so um nothing to fear But also, I think it was quite simple in terms of your tactics, right? You just run up and smack people. So I think actually if you go to a tournament and even if it's a bad plan, if you have a plan, you kind of just get moving. You know, I feel like that's a big advantage, even if it's not a decent plan. And we also just to change the subject massively, guys, we have quite on the pod. We have quite a lot of manly beard talk. And I'm going to say it. Volker has the best beard we've ever had on the pod. And obviously, the pod is an audio medium, so this will mean absolutely nothing to the people listening. Sorry, dear listener. Volker has a magnificent beard, so people will get to see it at Adepticon in all its glory. Is that right? Probably, yeah. Next, uh, next year again. Or uh, the next Dead Zone tournament in Regensburg, uh, yeah. if you yes. already have plans for it. Yes. That, yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm actually planning. I don't have a, um, a date so far. Some uh, sometime in October or November probably. Sounds uh, good. I mean, we're starting awesome. a slow grow in Berlin for Dead Zone, and we have about 10 people, and um, so we should have a bunch of people with a ready-to-go strike team uh, like early fall. So that would be a good match. So claim so, you hire a bus and go. Hey, who wants to go to Bavaria? <laughs> so where are you located in Berlin? Because my brother and my nephew are from Berlin. And they are playing that zone. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, um, I'm part of a club that doesn't have a location yet. Okay. And so we play at various places. Uh, we play in shops and we play at home. Uh, I mean, several okay. people have a table at home, uh, and uh, we also have a, a spot to organize events sometimes, which is actually my workplace that I can okay. use during the weekends. 
because obviously no one works on Saturday mm. uh, in my workplace, and so I can use the rooms uh, to put gaming tables. Uh, but yeah, let's get in touch, and uh, you should join our group and come play Dead Zone with us. Absolutely. Definitely, guys. I think a big part of this is us just trying to get together and make connections, right? But, um, <clears throat> oh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about July. So nothing is nailed down yet. So 22nd of July, that date is locked in. It's the Saturday. Um, so what we're kind of thinking is, so Clem is amazing at writing story and fluff and lore and stuff like that. So Clem's going to write a little bit of a story for us, which is just going to give us where are we? Why are we fighting? These kinds of things, right? And then just to give it a little bit of extra flavor. And then to be honest, I mean, I really want it to be very inclusive. So I think, to be honest, I'll be manning the kind of like, hey, are you new to Dead Zone? Maybe we have a couple of tables. I'll just man that and I'll just teach people the game. Then at the back, we can have the, the grisly murderers like Claudio who know what they're <laughs> doing. And, you know, if, if you're more of a competitive player, you can go and get smashed by him. And, uh, you know, maybe some some people who are kind of in between, like Clem. And uh, yeah, just, Very try, much just in between. try and make it fun for everybody, show the different aspects of the hobby and just and try and make it really cool. So people, you know, even if people just kind of walk in to buy their Star Wars game or whatever, or their magic cards, they walk in. What the heck well, are those guys up to? Yeah, I think that's the main point, right? Like it's it's not you rent a space somewhere and you play just among the participants, but you actually have sort of open tables in a gaming shop on a Saturday. And so other people will just walk in and they have no idea what even tabletop miniature gaming is. And then suddenly they see a cool, a cool group of people having a good time. And uh, yeah, maybe some of them will want to try out a, a turn or two or you know get in touch and come back later and so on yeah and, so. and with these games with mantic games it's like you, you know other people will see us and they go why are those guys laughing and having a good time playing a game why aren't they angry at each other and uh but i think it's i think it's the biggest mistake i've been making for years is just playing in my basement so i get a friend over or something to play a game play a game in the basement yeah that was fun but then no one sees us doing that so just playing in the shop makes such a difference for just trying to build the community so does the shop actually sell mantic stuff um they have a few mantic products and i've started yep. ordering through them okay. so you can buy through the shop there's going to be so it's nailed down. There is going to be some store support. So there's going to be some prize support. But to be honest, I'm going to raffle that off rather than a prize for the winner. Or, you know, it's going to just be, OK, you know, roll the D20 and uh, people get stuff. I've also got prize support from Mantic, which is really cool. So everyone yeah. that comes is going to get a couple of little gifts, including um, I'm just going to give out the paper dead zone mats to everyone that attends. So, you know, here's your dead zone mat go nuts um, but i do have a few boxes of dead zone stuff as prize support from mantic so we've been supported by mantic which was incredibly generous so yeah i've got i've got three cool boxes to give out oh three car boxes that's awesome yeah, three cool boxes yeah i think i've got two i've got an asterian starter box an enforcer starter box and then i've got a, a little uh, marauders mech thing Stunt bot, I think it is something like that. The, the little uh, one is the grunt bot. The stunt bot is the, is, is the larger one. 
So, okay, so one whatever. of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you want to know which one, dear listener, come along to Idstein on the 22nd of, uh, of July and uh, play in our, our little, not tournament, not tournament tournament. And so another, another question for you guys. Do you know of any other gaming group in Germany that plays Dead Zone? Like, how do we reach out to these people? How do we network? And how do we organize the community, like the German-speaking community, even if we're not speaking German right now, but you know what I mean? So I don't know about any community as such. It's mostly uh, single people like Claudio or uh, Rupert in, in Munich. Um, I think the the uh, the um, Dead Zone Fanatics Germany uh, Facebook group is uh, it's a good starting point um, for Germany, Austria, Switzerland. Uh, I think it's now called because uh, there's a gaming club from from Austria uh, Austria uh, in there. Yeah. And so, how do you hire new players if if you if it's not just about finding existing communities, but like what can we do as uh, you know fan- dead zone fanatics ourselves to really support well, Clem, the game? And, we yes. make a podcast. <laughs> well, that's the start. That's our thing, right? That's like, our thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you guys have further ideas, please like let's discuss it, right? Like what what else can we do? I mean, I well, think. Um, Oh, sorry, sorry, Volker. No, no, go ahead. Go, go for okay. it. Um, I think um, we've already hit a few points there. First of all, um, I think it's a great idea that you're doing the podcast here and that they are that you're deep diving into also this Germany thing. I can well imagine that it's maybe not for every one of your listeners, but uh, it's still like generic enough to really know what is going on in another country. How do they do that? What can we do in other countries maybe? And I think, um, as Volker said, the, the the German speaking group, there is, I think from Linz, uh, uh, a group in, in Austria um, who are playing since years. Um, yeah. So, um, and, and the rest are more like um, a few single people here and there than um, I know from a few people who did a, like a slow grow in the, on the YouTube channel and an unboxing um, tabletop basement is the YouTube channel who got um, hyped for third edition. And um, I think a few players in Germany picked the dead zone starter after that. Or at least that's what I read, like in Facebook groups, like the Tabletop Network. I think I, I talked about it last episode. So um, I think there are a few people who know that the game is good, but not really communities. And yeah. we have a bigger Kings of War community um, in Germany, which is I think uh, about around Köln or something. Um, yes. So maybe at some point, um, yeah. Exactly. So maybe at some point there will be some crossovers so that now the community for that zone will be a bit more visible that other people will see, oh, okay, there is a biggish <laughs> um, community for Mantic Games uh, for Kings of War. Well, okay, let's let's try out that zone. There is those guys you mentioned, Claudio, they do have a sci-fi Mantic WhatsApp group, but it is, to be honest, it is pretty quiet. Um, one of our good friends, uh, Manuel, 
is a member there and you know i think most of the time he's playing dead zone or firefight it's with us it's with me and clem so i don't think it's played so much locally they're very aware of it but to be honest i mean if we can make something happen among ourselves we've got clem and his friends in berlin we've got me and my friends here and we've got you guys so you know that's plenty of opportunities to have some fun organize some really cool weekends and then once you do that people see us having fun and know it's a thing other people will want to get in on it too right yeah exactly and i think and i think um the biggest selling point really is um and i hope i'm not only speaking for myself there but as we mentioned not talking about like the tournament tournament part but the having fun i just want to play uh with different people a whole a whole day because in the time uh, where i played four games at the tournament usually i play one game with friends because we're only talking mm -hmm. and like having yeah. breaks for smoking and so on for those who do so it's it's nice to have like a schedule where you a schedule where you where you know okay i, I get a few games in I meet new people. I talk about our games. I go to the yeah. other table. Hey, how are you doing? How is your game going? Um, even opponents you all you played against. Now talking about, did you have luck? Or I hope you didn't have luck. <laughs> and so on, you know. Uh, so I think the social aspect is what what makes it perfect. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. And and you have you have a TO like me who is herding cats back to the tables to play the game. <laughs> yeah, that's really important. Uh, Come on, guys! You really made important. it to turn two last time. Get back in and get started. Come on. I actually was like, okay, we have now we have uh, you have uh, 20 minutes uh, for doing something. Uh, we will start back uh, back there. Where is everybody, guys? We only have to, uh, two and a half hours. We have we have to start now. Get so in I'm here. I was um, trying uh, to get a, a local guy into playing Kings of War. Very, very nice guy. And um, one game of Kings of War, we never finished it. And honestly, <laughs> we were there for seven hours. In the, we never finished the game. And it was just, honestly, at some point, I, I, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I was just sitting while he just measured everything, you know, picked up a unit, measured every possible possibility, put it back, picked up the next one. And then started the whole process again. And bless him, he was such a lovely guy. Uh, but I, I thought he would be a little bit slow because we tried an online game. So I brought a chess clock with me and said, look, I'm giving us three hours. You know, we don't have to worry so much about the clock, but just be aware of it kind of thing. And it was like, oh, God, oh, bless him. He's such a lovely bloke. But it's just it, I don't I just don't have the time in my life to play a King, game of Kings of War for seven hours. I have people with that with every game um, that takes forever because we take for, we take forever to set up and then it's okay do I do this no do I do this do I do this so a game of that zone that's normally taking about one and a half hour takes two and a half three hours uh, yeah there are people who play pretty slow so different different I just had a question. Do you guys think um, the fact that there's no rulebook in German uh, kind of doesn't help the game in Germany? Like, do we need to convince uh, Ronnie to crowdfund or fund a, a rulebook in German? Version, right? Like, we didn't, I, I, didn't for the French edition. Time I see him. I ask him every time I see him if there will be a German version for every, anything. Um, they try, 
they always tell me that they are, they're trying to get uh, to get a German distributor to actually uh, translate it. Um, I'm not sure if if it's a, if it's a um, it is a turn off. Maybe for 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 younger people. So my my nephew is 11. He needs his dad to uh, to read the rules. Call there in English. He isn't good in English. That's 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 problematic. Of course, it's of course it's a uh, barrier. It must be a barrier. Of course it is. I mean, I don't play many I, German games. I have in I German have because say, it's just more of a pain, right? It must be a barrier. Say, so so pe people in my age, we we uh, we grew up with English um, war games. Everything G uh, GW in the in the uh, in the 90s, everything was just in English. You didn't get it in German. Or it took ages before you get it in German. You had it, you had it in English first. Um, so, and if you wanted to play anything else in GW, you always uh, were stuck with the English rulebooks. So maybe it's a problem for the younger generations. I'm not sure. So, because I'm and my my the people I know, we are used to uh, to English uh, rulebooks in role playing games, in war games, in board games. Yeah, interesting because. Personally, I don't have any problems with it, but I've, I've read it a few times online. And the first time I introduced things like that zone to my gaming group, which I know since I was like 14, 15, something like that, we play GW always in German. Um, mm -hmm. And they aren't really, uh, and, and that gaming group isn't really like, uh, isn't the, the strong side of the English, mm -hmm. English language. So, uh, It was harder to get them. I always had to explain all the rules. Um, but in time, about like the span of a few years, it's not a big deal anymore. They know the language. They know the uh, specific words like adjacent that you never hear anywhere else than like tabletop gaming usually. Uh, so it gets better. But it was it was um, a hard fight for me to really get them to read the books themselves um, so that they aren't dependent mm. from me. And I think there are quite a few in GW territory, Germany, who say, well, I get everything in German. Why should I buy another game which is only in English? Or like for um, Fantasy Flight Games did um, things in German and GW did things in German and they were or are the, the bigger players War here and i think war machine uh, and hordes yeah so the, i think uh, book in german yeah i think it, it would be really really great and looking at the dungeon saga origins kickstarter there was a pamphlet in many languages to promote the game before they unlocked the other languages and i think that was a smart move to to have the information already in the other languages so that you then can go to unlock things. I mean, the the Kickstarter days for Dead Zone are over, or at least I think. Yeah. So um, maybe it's only a, a thing for like really crowdfunding like the uh, French did. But I think it would help massively. I think the, the resonance for Dungeon Origins and the for the languages, If you looked at the comments, there were so many comments from different um, speaking or uh, people who said, oh, I I won't, will only back it if I get it in my language. I mean, that's an entry point level, but I think that zone is also a game that you can play with younger folks. We also had uh, like 
I think two younger players at our tournament in in Regensburg. So, um, and they 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 play well, you know, because the, the game itself is so easy to learn that they can concentrate on on playing well and and, and thinking about tactics. So, yeah. The, the only thing I'd say is that Mantic have got to be pretty punctual with the foreign language if they're going to do it, because, for example, Kings of War, by the time the German edition came out, that book was pretty much out of date, right? You know, the third edition green book. So it wasn't even the green book, was it? It was just the, um, I think, the gamers edition. So I, th I think it's an area Mantic can definitely improve. They've been improving on a load of things recently, you know, getting hard plastic. So there's loads of areas they've been getting much better at. But uh, I think this is one they could definitely improve on. Mm -hmm. Problem yep. is an English co uh, company. Um, nobody is. Uh, they don't have. They have to source it out to uh, to get it translated, and everything costs money. Um, I think that's the biggest problem. It just costs money, and they. I think they rather put it into uh, to expansions and better models than uh, translating uh, the rules into into other languages. If if I was Ronnie though, I'd definitely be looking at. The Mantic fanatics groups and going, huh? Who's a who's a who's someone who's a real fanatic who's based in Germany? I bet if I gave them a starter box to say thank you, I bet they'd look at it. Uh, um, yeah, the the thing is translating something and uh, translating a rule book. They, that's a that's a different beast, and it takes quite some while. I I know uh, I tried or I did a translation of a card game. Um, back in 2018 in, into German, and it took us, I think, nearly a quarter, a quarter of a year uh, to get it more or less right, and that's just a card game with a couple of hundred cards. Because you're, it's not just translating the words, it's the intention, oh, it, right? It, it, so, have, yeah. yeah. You, have to, you have to get it right, and... Um, you you just can't if if you were just want to to translate the words you just put it into Google Translate and then you have a, a German nobody understands. Yeah. Yes. You, have, you you have to write it from the ground up more or less. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Anything, guys? Anything else to touch on before we finish? Hard to say, but I I think I everyone. At our uh, at the tournament we were attending, or I was attending, and Volker was organizing and TOing, um, were really, really hoping for a next one. And I think for me personally, it was great to hear that you have planned something because it's always some work to do, and it's yep. just for the fun for others and for the fun of um, someone like for yourself. But it's some work, and I'm glad that you enjoyed it enough because i think everyone was happy and everyone was looking forward to doing it again and i think that's like the the best thing that can happen to a community or even like single persons playing the game to to have something to look forward to have a maybe a a vague day to say oh nice i can i can play again at some point even if i don't have any friends here who are playing this so yeah yeah that's great. Definitely. I mean, I think I've never organized an event before, um, but it's, you know, it's very much just going to be a structured three or four games. You guys, you know, here's a little story, a bit yeah. of a narrative, try and, you know, really showcase why it's a cool game and why the universe is cool and just let people have fun, really, to be honest. Mm -hmm. 
So from a from a TO uh, perspective, I would say just do it. Um, I started the first uh, tournament because I wanted to have a Deadstone tournament, and there wasn't anything in my in my lo in my area, um, so I did it myself. Um, if you have a if if you have somewhere where you can play like a friendly local games uh, game store, um, just try it out. Just try to organize, and if four people show up, that's three games uh, per side. That's fun. Uh, you don't have to, to do a lot for uh, for um, for price support. Uh, you can just do like starting off with uh, with with. Uh, I mean, I I, like, I I see where you go with the Volker. Yeah, I mean, if we if we get four people, we're going to have the most fun we possibly can. Um, to be honest, from the perspective of the shop. You know, I, I, if I can get more people, I really want to to show that you know there's demand for this. This is in, this is worth their time. But you know, we got what we got. We're trying to grow the community, so you I mean, know, you already have just... more than four people that's going to show up. But I mean, yeah, in yeah, general, yeah. I think that's also a good point. Like, you don't need to have 16 tables to oh. start organizing a tournament, right? Yeah, and like, you uh, have to spend money for whatever big uh, big venue to uh, to start a tournament. Just. Yeah. Just start with the small what you have and your local, uh, your local friend, friendly local game store. If you can do, um, and that zone has so small, uh, such a small uh, footprint, you can play it on the tables where other uh, otherwise there will be magic. Um, that's so it is it is really small, so you can just play it in uh, on yeah in in a, in little uh, rooms. So if you if you want to do uh, something. Just try and do it. Do it yourself if nobody else does it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Cool. Claudia, anything to add before we finish? Mm, I, I think one last thing about playing in the shop, um, which I think is a great idea that you want to promote it um, there because there is, I think that zone is one of the best, if not the best game to promote tabletop gaming because it's it's. A small footprint, as Volker said, but it's stuffed with things like like scatter and big towers and and different tables, and it looks awesome. And it's not just like a a really big table with three pieces of cardboard cut out and two armies battling, but it it really looks like a like a I don't know like a um, computer game where you where you have like XCOM style and big buildings and running around and looking through windows and if you don't know anything or only know a few other tabletop games I think it it really works well visually and then having people playing and having fun on top I think it's a big selling point so and you only need to buy one box of models and paint 12 models and you're playing something like that absolutely yeah. that's what I said for a friend of mine and he just bought like three firefight boxes worth of enforcers and has more painted buildings now than i have ever painted in 10 years so it's only one little box don't worry guys and girls. It, it, yeah exactly the first taste is free clem anything else buddy no that's uh, that's all good i'm just excited uh, looking forward to the next uh, gaming days or tournaments for dead zone and firefight and uh yeah looking forward to travel a bit and to welcome you guys to come play in berlin and make some new friends yeah amazing cool thanks guys that was really fun thanks for having us thanks thanks dear listener on that note
to you next time. Cheers, guys. Cheers to the listener. Cheers. something it's the mup charm you know that's if people want to listen to a competent podcast they're free to do so